0: This is a Commune podcast.
1: So I'm probably going to ask you to lay down and get comfortable. I don't really want anything interfering with our time, so I'd have you make sure that your devices are silenced. That it's kind of as quiet as it can be. And let's say, for example, I hear that traffic is audible, where you live, what I can hear, you know, over our, our voice chat. Or let's say that I can hear a cat purring in the background. I'm going to call all of your attention to these things so that I can help you give yourself permission to let them go. So I might ask that the sounds, that the air conditioner, traffic passing outside, just to acknowledge those noises so that you know that they don't need your attention. And then what I might ask you to do is just focus on your breathing. Because what do you do when you lay down to go to sleep? You try to make your body as relaxed as you can. And one of the first things we do without even thinking about it is we slow our breathing down. So I might ask you to take some long, deep breaths. I might even guide you through those breaths. Asking you to breathe in with me with one, two, three, and to let go with three, two, one.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Untypical Podcast. I'm your host Vishakhan Pillai. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode and uh, I hope everyone's doing well. This week, we have Tessa Fields, who is an erotic hypnotist. She talks to us about her journey from being a regular hypnotherapist to eventually moving into her current profession of erotic hypnosis. I'm sure many people have heard of hypnotherapy, uh, you know people use it to get over addictions like smoking and stuff and she tells us more about what her current job is like as well as you know a little bit about her past as well around the halfway point though she gives us a little a little demo of uh, what a session with her would be like so make sure you guys stay with us till then and so without any further ado let's give her a call Hi, Tessa. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Could you just go ahead and give me a short intro about uh, you know, what your name is, where you're from, and how long you've been in the field of erotic hypnosis for?
1: Absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Vishakan. I have been involved with hypnosis for about 16, 17 years, but I have been in the erotic hypnosis scene for 12, since 08. I'm just a Las Vegas girl living in California, doing my thing.
0: That's great. Uh, so, so erotic hypnosis is your full-time job, right?
1: Absolutely. I used to be involved in hypnotherapy and erotic hypnosis at the same time, but there came a point I just realized it was a lot more fun to just solely stick with erotic hypnosis.
0: That's interesting. So, uh, you know, let's just get right into it. So, sure. uh, why don't you tell us what erotic hypnosis is?
1: Okay. I wish it was a one-sentence answer, so I hope you'll bear with me. (laughs) I mean, when we think about hypnosis, we, of course, think about like stage shows where people are hypnotized from a crowd and cluck like a chicken, and then there's hypnotherapy where you might quit smoking, lose some weight. And then if you just sort of take the hypnosis element from that and add in the erotic, just, I suppose, you can imagine being able to be a voyeur in like a virtual reality sense, or maybe you have a mind control fetish and you just love the idea of being sort of knowingly manipulated or even just heightening your sexuality or sort of taking that bond between a dominant and a submissive and putting those together. Although I guess in my context, I'm talking about femdom hypnosis. So that'd be female dominant led.
0: Huh? So, 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 Does erotic hypnosis always, uh, you know, have like a BDSM aspect to it?
1: I wouldn't say always because you can definitely have fun just being hypnotized and then getting to experience something where you're not actually having interaction under hypnosis in a direct sense with the hypnotist, but it sort of begs for it to be dominant submissive based because You sort of have the authority being the hypnotist and then you have somebody submitting to your words. So it's sort of a perfect lead in into a dominant, submissive situation.
0: Do you think people are kind of attracted to erotic hypnosis because of the whole, uh, you know, submissive aspect to it?
1: Well, I think so, especially in the sense that you can sort of really heighten that bond between the dominant and the submissive. Because if you can sort of create something in a submissive person that is more almost instinctual in the way they reply to commands, the way they obey, then it sort of, hypnosis just takes that almost to an instinctual level. Like I guess, it's really, the only way to
0: put it for me. It's interesting that you say that. Uh, let me just wrap my mind around this. So, what exactly happens when you uh, you know quote unquote hypnotize someone? What do they go into like a trance and they completely lose control of their body or like? Well, what exactly happens when you hypnotize someone?
1: Well, you can ask a million hypnotists and get a million different answers. <laughs> so, and again, this kind of goes back to the, being those three levels. You sort of have hypnotherapy, stage hypnosis, and then you have sort of like erotic hypnosis sitting in its own weird little niche. But essentially hypnotizing somebody for me is removing that critical thinking part of your mind. And this isn't so that you don't think for yourself or you're completely under no control of your own it's so that you can open yourself up to the suggestions that you want to accept
0: so so do people kind of tell you what they want to explore before you start your session and then you kind of like alter each uh, hypnotherapist or erotic hypnosis session to that particular person
1: Well, yeah, I mean, what somebody wants to accomplish under hypnosis in a strange way is less important than how I'm going to hypnotize them. So if you have somebody that's new to hypnosis or even just new to you as a hypnotist, you're coming in with no information about who they are, what kind of language they use, even some in some ways, like how educated they are. I mean, you don't want to use $5 words on somebody with like less of an education or less maybe just experience to the world. So... With somebody new, you want to spend a little time getting to know them and hearing how they speak, how they say things, whether they speak in inferences or they speak directly, because that tells me how their mind processes information, which is going to help me craft suggestions and the induction to get them to trance. And trance, I'd consider more of a descriptor than an actual thing, um, because If you've been hypnotized, you're going to have a different explanation than the next person. Some people feel complete loss of consciousness and wake up and really don't remember much because they just go under really, really well. Whereas some people bring their skepticism in with them, which is perfectly okay. And as a hypnotist, we just keep having to adjust and make sure that we get them down into that state where they are open to suggestion and open to what they want.
0: So, so do you think that some people are more or suggestible towards being uh, hypnotized than others?
1: Absolutely. The first great example is probably the stage hypnotist. So if you've ever watched a stage show, what you see a lot of is the hypnotist sort of making the rounds on stage. He's getting the crowd excited. And what seems like he's just getting ready to get the show started is actually that hypnotist scanning the crowd for who's going to be the great volunteer. And I don't want to give away all their secrets, but there are certain things you can see in a person's reaction that tells you that's going to be somebody I can easily hypnotize.
0: So what are these things? Are you allowed to tell me what these things are?
1: I'll just tell you a few. Uh huh. As a stage hypnotist, uh, they can absolutely see that person that is just wide-eyed, excited, and hoping to be a volunteer. When they're wide-eyed and excited, that is somebody that's open. They're not the skeptic that's there to laugh at this and prove it wrong. This is the person hoping to see if they can be hypnotized and really excited about it. I'm not saying that the excitement necessarily makes you suggestible, but that is sort of like a ripe person to pick if you're a stage hypnotist. Whereas like I work on a one-on-one level and I don't really think anybody's incapable of being hypnotized. There's just different levels. People, some people are really analytical thinkers, and which once again, goes back to that part where I have to listen to how a person talks, how they interpret and exchange information so that I know how to talk to them. Because some people are very skeptical. There's people that are afraid. And then there's people that are just wide open, been trancing for years, and you can practically take them down with the snap of your fingers.
0: Wow, that's interesting. So would you say there's any, uh, you know, uh, sort of placebo effect involved in this where people kind of think they're being hypnotized but they're really just not they they, they think in their mind that they're being hypnotized but it's oh, not one actually
1: happening. 100% so you know I, I sell products and you put samples of those products up and yeah. I've had people message me after just listening to all the samples, which I don't give away the inductions and the samples. It's just a little bit of a taste of what the tone and the content is going to be. And For sure. I've had people send me DMs claiming they're thoroughly hypnotized after listening to all of my samples and they want me to do something to them.
0: So have you and ever been hypnotized yourself before?
1: Only clinically. Um, I first discovered hypnosis because I was a smoker. Not uh-huh. super proud of that. And I just thought... I was very skeptical going in and I really didn't believe I could be hypnotized. But again, having a sort of a great hypnotherapist that time helped me because he really took the time to understand where my skepticism came from and most likely used it against me in my induction to take me down.
0: So what was that like? What what was the experience like for you?
1: I think it's a little different for me than it is for some people, and part of that was because I just wasn't a believer. Uh For me, I felt as if it was deep inner meditation. I felt that it was just a voice guiding me to think differently, which in a lot of ways is what hypnotherapy is just helping you to reframe the way you look at things.
0: Okay, so how exactly do you hypnotize someone? Like, you know, you you kind of see this in like shows or even in like stage performances, whether, you know, they either snap their fingers or they uh, kind of wave a coin in front of you. Or they have like visual stuff in front of you to, to, to watch before they say something in your ear and you go to sleep. So w- what exactly do you do before you hypnotize someone and put them in like that state?
1: Well, that does kind of go back to that thing about I assess who they are
0: uh-huh.
1: and how they communicate. Because for some people that have fetishized hypnosis for such a long time, they love spirals, pocket watches, metronomes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And <clears throat> as an example, you can use those items as a fixation item. So imagine that I suppose you put all of your energies into just staring at a spinning spiral. What I do is talk you into that focus. And I try to, based on the information I know about you, talk you into forgetting about everything but that spiral. Just to let my voice be the guide while you sink and watch. And I'll try to relax you. So I can relax your body. And then I start testing you a suggestion because for a lot of people when they visually fixate, their eyes start to get tired. They start to get heavy. And the hypnotist just simply points that out, sort of giving you permission to let those things go as we start to shut down the systems, so to speak. And there's a lot more to it, but there's so many ways to hypnotize somebody. I mean, there's a zillion different induction methods out there, like analytical thinkers. I use a confusion induction, which is just where you give the brain so much to do that it gets exhausted, that all it wants to do is release into something else. And then you offer them the escape hatch of just simply sleeping.
0: Holy shit. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. This sounds really this sounds really cool. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, do you take like multiple uh, clients at a time or do you just focus on one?
1: Well, obviously, like I'm not going to hypnotize more than one person in a room because I work on a one-on-one level. I Uh mean, the thing is, for me, there's sort of two elements. There's there's what I put out that just anybody can buy. So, you know, like MP3s, videos. Yeah. Yeah. And so I sort of craft those a little differently for a general audience for a number of reasons. And then one-on-one is very different. It's hard to explain. Like, I just don't turn on phone lines and wait for calls. I schedule all my sessions.
0: For sure, So these
1: are people that I want to work with. Because it kind of goes back to that's my fetish, too. I really don't like to trance with people that I don't like.
0: I know. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, before we get into, like, the whole erotic aspect of it, uh, Mm -hmm. you mentioned that you were a hypnotherapist as well, right? So uh, what what made you kind of switch over from hypnotherapy uh, to erotic hypnosis?
1: Well, I'll try to make a long story short. So
0: no, just make it as long as possible. Just give (laughs) give me me all the details.
1: Okay, all the juice. Okay, so I was when I started erotic hypnosis, I was still finishing up clinical hours for hypnotherapy, which means you're a working hypnotherapist, but you are Certainly handling only certain types of clients that you're very trained for. And you have to get those clinical hours in before you can sort of work without oversight, at least in the programs that I was in. I'm, I'm sure there's somebody on the internet that sells a certification for 20 bucks somewhere, but I had to do a lot of clinical hours. And during this time, it's sort of hard to, for that to be your sole income. So I was doing some web design work back then and I happened to be designing for another erotic hypnotist that is no longer active. But when I was, I told her, I'm excited to work on your site because I'm in the middle of my hypnotherapy hours. And I don't know, she just sort of grabbed me and said, I think you're going to have a blast doing this, come here. So Uh (laughs) (laughs) I did. And I hate to say that it was financially motivated, but it sure helped me jump the fence when I realized that the life of a hypnodom There is a lot less struggle than the life of a hypnotherapist because hypnotherapy, unlike regular therapy, you don't see most of your clients again because the problem is
0: solved. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: So, for example, in a smoking cessation session, for us, a lot of it was you do the in-person session, you tape it, and then you give that person a copy of it so that they can listen to it whenever they like to sort of refresh. And... A lot of times you just don't see those people again. So let's just say there's not a lot of repeat business. And when there is, it's normally because somebody has a secret hypno fetish and they just like being hypnotized by you.
0: Uh uh-huh. uh-huh. Can you can you make out when a client is just there because they fetishize the whole aspect of hypnosis?
1: Um. Yeah, in more ways than one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what are these ways?
1: Well, let's just say that, first of all, some people discover they have a hypno-fetish while legitimately being there for a hypnotherapy appointment.
0: Uh-huh, yeah.
1: They don't expect to be aroused by the loss of control.
0: Oh, so but, but they, they figured it out during the whole process?
1: Most of the time, their anatomy figures it out before they do. It's
0: Wow. One thing okay. I had to
1: learn really quickly in hypnotherapy is how to avoid looking between somebody's legs at the end of this session because there was an unexpected result for the of this.
0: <laughs> wow, okay. There's so much more involved in this than I knew before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the point, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow, okay. I'm sorry, you were saying something.
1: Oh, I was saying to kind of answer the original question about how do I know if, if they have a hypnofetish coming in. They make up bizarre stuff. Uh Like session one, I'm having a lot of anxiety. Can you help me? Sure, come in. You do a session. Oh, thank you. I feel so much better. And then three days later, oh, I think I have a fear of public speaking. And then two days after that, they have some new issue. So it's it's people just wanting to be hypnotized. Wow. Yeah.
0: So uh, why do you think people are drawn towards a erotic hypnosis? If they kind of want, uh, you know, to achieve an orgasm, why do you think they move towards erotic hypnosis? Why is there like a market for erotic hypnosis?
1: Well, there's just so many reasons. I mean, when people are seeking it out for just sort of sexual purposes in the way of like heightening their sexuality, or like you said, looking for, you know, some sort of orgasmic experience, there's a number of things. I mean, I specialized in sexual dysfunction as a hypnotherapist. Uh So I definitely realized early on that if somebody doesn't actually have like a physical issue that's limiting them, like, for example, with premature ejaculation or even just impotency, um, that sometimes it's a mental barrier. And so that can allow people to get back to a normal functioning sex life. Uh Um, But then also, too, Imagine the difference between well, I, I don't know if I want you to imagine it right now, but just looking at porn and enjoying yourself, or being able
0: to immerse yourself. Oh, so it's so. like a more—it's like an interactive aspect to it.
1: Yeah, I like to think of it as sort of like virtual reality through uh-huh. hypnosis, because if I can help you to visualize, I can help you to feel sensations that aren't there. Well, what, I, what mean? well, okay. For example, if I were to hypnotize you right now, I might suggest that the air in the room is really cool. And even though, let's say, it's, it's 80 degrees in your room, I could potentially convince you that it's 30 degrees and that you are wow. ice cold and shivering. So now if you take those sensations to a sexual element, wow. you can feel a touch, a taste, a lick.
0: Oh, wow. So this becomes like completely, okay, so, so okay, now, okay. I, th- I think I'm beginning to get it now. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so you kind of make it a little more interactive, right? So they feel like, they're, like they're, they're a part of something when in compared to porn, you're kind of just watching something. You're exactly. not really sure a part of it. Okay. And I'm not
1: saying that's somebody's only reason because the thing to consider too, there is also just the fetish of being mind-controlled or hypnotized where they don't need anything else to be stimulated, other than the fact that somebody is making them sleepy.
0: All right. So, wh- when you or when a client approaches you to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, avail of your services per se, uh, <laughs> what what exactly do you what What's your first step after that?
1: Well, let Are you saying like they want to have like a one on one session with me, a live session?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, if it's somebody I'm not familiar with, I'm going to spend a little time. Well, I always spend a little time, but I'm going to, in that session, and so for instance, let's say they pay for a 45-minute session. That's 45 minutes of hypnosis they pay for, but I'm going to take as much time as I feel is necessary during what we call pre-talk, which is finding out more about them, more about their hypnosis. experience trancing some people are very seasoned trancers and some people they're brand new to it they're nervous and so that's where I actually have to go through and dispel some of the misconceptions I ask them you know what do you think being hypnotized is like because some people come in with too high of expectations for what's possible for them some too low so basically I'm assessing how suggestible you are by the way you answer me the way you interact with me and I'm also plotting immediately how i'm going to induce chance
0: all right so uh, could could you i I don't know if i don't know if you can or are allowed are allowed to do this but could you possibly like give me a demo after like you know after after you're done with like the whole pre-talking session could you maybe just tell me how you go about talking to them do you do you just kind of uh, once you get to know them or you you like you said you would kind of uh, attach to their their, their preconceived notions and what they like and stuff like that. So what would like a demo, can, can you give me like a demo of how that would go?
1: Well, obviously because I want you to stay awake for the rest of the interview. I'm not going to do a full induction.
0: No, for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because, well, then I don't know what I'd do with you, Vishal.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: But now let's, I'm just going to go with something simple called a progressive relaxation. And yeah. All I'd like you to do right now is to remind yourself that you do not want to be hypnotized right now so your for critical sure. mind can stay in control. Yeah. And to anybody listening, have a good time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is going to be really short because I don't want to do the whole thing it'll take a, I I love long inductions and we will be here for a half hour if I get to just go. Uh-huh. So Obviously, I'm going to want you to relax before you do anything. And some people can just lay down and relax, whereas some people take a little bit of time. And it's kind of like when you lay in bed at night and you're like, oh, now I got a cramp in my foot or I got to adjust this pillow. So I'm just that guiding voice. And so maybe you don't know how to relax, which is also a possibility. So I'm probably going to ask you to lay down and get comfortable I don't really want anything interfering with our time, so I'd have you make sure that your devices are silenced, that it's kind of as quiet as it can be. And let's say, for example, I hear that traffic is audible where you live, what I can hear you know, over our, our voice chat, or let's say that I can hear a cat purring in the background. I'm going to call all of your attention to these things so that I can help you give yourself permission to let them go. So I might ask that the sounds, that the air conditioner, traffic passing outside, just to acknowledge those noises so that you know that they don't need your attention. And then what I might ask you to do is just focus on your breathing. Because what do you do when you lay down to go to sleep? You try to make your body as relaxed as you can. And one of the first things we do without even thinking about it is we Slow our breathing down. So I might ask you to take some long, deep breaths. I might even guide you through those breaths. Asking you to breathe in with me with one, two, three, and to let go with three, two, one. Just so that you can continue to sort of learn my cadence and what to expect from me. I keep it slow and I keep it clear. And then we might talk about your body so that you can use your focus to let me guide you. So, you might want to spend time focusing on your breathing, but it might take you a little longer to slow the body down because I'm going to go after slowing your mind down last. So, I might ask you to think about where you carry your tension. Most of us tend to carry it around our neck and our shoulders and maybe you could take a moment to just sort of stretch your neck, and let your shoulders lay flat, and just use that breathing to focus on every exhale, just letting go of all those tensions. And then I would just continue with my words to draw your attention of focused relaxation from the top of your head to the tip of your toes. And at that point, when I found your mind to be tired, and sleepy, but not so sleepy that you actually sleep, but just sleepy enough to slip into a daydream and still hear my voice. Then I will have already set up the suggestions with you of what it means to sleep for me, and then I would probably just let you know that in a moment I was going to snap my fingers and ask you to sleep for Tessa. at which point I would snap and ask you to sleep for Tessa. And if you're still with me, Vishakhan.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still here, I'm still here.
1: Oh, shake it off. <laughs> it's, it's everything. So that's the thing. It's not one thing. There's a million different kind of inductions. But it's about narrowing your focus to a much, much smaller world than the world around you. And sort of just letting go of some of the systems that we think about all the time, like whether our skin itches or whether we're cold or hot. And just narrowing that focus down to that one thing, almost that self-meditation where you give yourself permission through my guidance to just let go of the part of your mind that obsesses with anxiety about everything else and just let yourself fall into this moment so that you'll be open for suggestion.
0: Oh, my God. Okay. This is, this is literally my favorite episode. <laughs> so um you know are
1: you developing a hypno fetish
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no i'm not i just it, it, it's cool to hear you you know uh talk about this stuff because i've never gone through it before i've never gone through like a hypnotic trance before i i don't know i didn't even know what a trance meant exactly till you know just now so uh yeah it's just cool to know about all this
1: well i guess the question is did you relax at all in that moment because that was
0: oh, for sure so for yeah. sure yeah <laughs> At this point, we're going to take a short break and talk about my favorite podcasting app, Anchor. My name is Vishakin Pillai and I am the host of The Untypical Podcast. And if you ever wanted to start your own podcast, you might think you need all sorts of equipment to set it up. It turns out, all you need is Anchor. Anchor is an all-in-one free tool from Spotify that lets you create your own podcast and get it heard everywhere. With Anchor, you can record, edit, and be heard on all all listening platforms. It all works right from your web browser or from your Anchor mobile app. And best of all, it's totally free. Make your podcast with Anchor today by going to anchor.fm. That's anchor.fm. Welcome back. Uh, Let's continue our conversation with Tessa Fields. So, um, you know, when when you do these kind of things uh, with clients and you delve deeper into or, you know, erotic hypnosis. Have you had an experience with a client that made you kind of question uh, th- their intentions or just kind of make you back away and be like, okay, this is getting kind of weird for me as well?
1: Yes. Um, I can't obviously speak for everybody that engages in erotic hypnosis because there's also like a real recreational level people do this at as well. I would hope everybody is doing the same thing though. As a hypnotherapist, we were taught like a lot of safeguards and right. that's just things you shouldn't do for the prote- mental health protection of your clients. And I really do bring that with me to hypnosis. I mean, I think anybody that's tranced with me live will tell you those sessions are much more potent than things I put out for general release. And part of that reason is, is that there are people that sort of wind up in these shame spirals of self-hatred. And those are people that I don't like to deal with because it's sort of a little form of self-abuse where they want to be tranced into things they absolutely will never do in real life and then they hate themselves for enjoying it later. And I just don't want to be responsible for adding to anybody's mental health issues, because that's somebody that needs to seek out therapy, in my opinion, if you're in sort of that self-hate spiral.
0: So when you kind of uh, talk to clients, and erotic hypnosis can obviously get intimate, uh, Mm -hmm. have you found clients that kind of develop feelings and kind of cling on to you that way?
1: I think it's natural, just like in therapy of transference. Um... Obviously, hypnosis isn't delivered necessarily with like a harsh tone. So you have this soft, soothing voice telling you that everything's going to be okay. So I think for most people, it's not a far reach to sort of feel a certain sense of affection. Because you have somebody that is taking care of your mind while they're hypnotizing you and they're taking care of you. And they're making sure that nothing that you don't want to happen is going to happen. I mean, at least if you're being responsible, nothing's happening that you don't want to happen. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I've um, I've had to cut off a few people through the erotic hypnosis world that definitely had different expectations in their head of what we were than what we actually were. What do you mean? For instance, if I'm doing live sessions with you and sometimes aftercare is involved in those sessions where it was an intense experience, so I spend time after that making sure you feel okay, making sure that you don't feel like like you've been abused in any way. Uh-huh. Um, people sort of project that now that we're in a relationship.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. And that, that can be a little bit difficult to deal with because obviously I, I still need that distance.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I can I can see why that happens because you know when they experience such a feeling of relaxation that they haven't experienced before, they automatically tie that feeling to you. As, yes. Yeah. So I, I can see why that would happen. So, yeah, and I,
1: I think that happens clinically as well uh-huh. as erotic. I mean, it's not confined to one or the other.
0: It it happens with therapists as well, right? You often try and find themselves or uh, developing feelings for therapists.
1: Yeah, transference. I mean, it's it's. It, I think it's real in any sort of like quote-unquote therapist patient relationship because even though an erotic hypnosis that's not the relationship That it's still the same dynamic
0: all right so so can you give me an example i'm sorry i'm just I'm, I'm harping over this topic could you give me an example of the worst experience you've possibly had with a client
1: gosh you know <laughs> the same I haven't really had any bad experiences in session. Uh-huh. I mean, on a hypnotherapy level, there is this thing that happens this fight or flight moment. Sometimes people new to hypnosis, the first time they're almost in trance, they either have like a really strong emotional response or they have a panic reflex that they're losing control and they will shoot up right in the middle of the induction either scared or just really freaked out
0: wow okay
1: yeah and that's um that's just something that i I don't know if i really call it like a bad experience except it's jarring when it happens and as a hypnotist you do kind of question too whether you address all their concerns before you hypnotize them because that's obviously not the result that you want but it happens i don't know a hypnotherapist that hasn't happened to but in the in the erotic hypnosis realm, that's sort of different because I won't transwitch with just anybody.
0: So, so you pick your clients as per, you know, you don't just take clients as they come.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know that some people do. Um, they just turn on phone lines and anyone can call. But it all goes back to once again, it's my fetish. I want to have a, so much fun doing this. So... It's not that you have to know me for a long time. It's just, I need to know a little bit about you. I need to know that you're familiar with my work and my style and just, you know, somewhat of a rapport between us so that we can have a really good time when we do sessions. I mean, I consider so many of these people much more than like a customer. I hate the word, actually, you know, it's more like play partners that make it worth my time. I mean, there's one, for instance, we spend three, four hours talking about podcasts before we ever get to the wow. hypnosis okay. because we just have a good time.
0: So, so you managed to kind of, you know, make it as personal as possible.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, do you find like there's, there's, a, there's a correlation between that and why they keep coming back to you? Do you have like a set group of clients or is it like a rotating kind of thing?
1: Well, there's like this, there's always sort of this base amount of fans that you're in regular communication with. I mean, I've been in the scene for so long that I mean, I have friends going back practically since 08 that I just trust these people we play together well. But and they've there's been long-term fans, but there's also people that come and go. I mean, it's not uncommon for somebody to be into you for 6 months and then they're on to the next person, you know, for another 6 months. I mean, there's people we kind of make little giggles at because we're just waiting for them to jump ship to the next lady and the next lady and the next lady. Uh-huh. Cause there's uh-huh. just people like that. It's okay. I mean, sometimes you don't want to have the same burger every day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, would you say that this is any different from, uh, you know, sex work or anything like that? Or is this like, do you think that you could group this in with sex work as well?
1: I absolutely do. And I, I think part of the reason for that is because, you know, we have issues getting credit card processing. If anything, we're under greater scrutiny because there is always this element of consent. Yeah. And then there's the horror stories that give hypnosis a bad name of, oh, she hypnotized me out of all my money. You
0: know,
1: <laughs> things like that. Yeah. And uh, so it doesn't, is doesn't help.
0: Is is that Pardon? possible, though? Is is it Can can that possibly be done by somebody who's, like, extremely skilled in hypnosis?
1: Well, I'm going to say this. I don't believe 99% of the stories I've ever read Uh with regards to things like that. I think it's possible, but I also think that any person with a strong enough will could manipulate somebody that was vulnerable into doing something that they wouldn't normally do.
0: Okay. So, I mean, so, so you're saying it is possible?
1: I'm saying that it's not out of the realm of possibilities.
0: All right. Yeah. Okay. That that's that's I can live with that. So I'm
1: just saying that if I got a hold of Bill Gates, I'd be yeah. working pretty <laughs> hard on that wallet.
0: <laughs> For sure. I mean, if if it's an, if it's a if it's a possibility, why not? Right. Just, right. You know, round, round up every billionaire and take all their money.
1: But at the same time. Well, I guess with any fetish and playing with in it. I for one like to be able to lay my head down at night and feel like I didn't really hurt anybody.
0: So For sure, yeah.
1: You know, yeah. I, I don't want to do that to anybody. Yeah, I no, just I like to tinker in there and have a little fun yeah. with their consent and their interests.
0: Yeah. So do you think most people or or you know, most of your clients who come to you to be erotically hypnotized are kind of just looking for An orgasm, or are they coming and looking for something much deeper than that?
1: You know, that's really a good question. Um, I think my perceptions changed over time. I think the first couple years, my thought was, "This is erotic hypnosis porn," is how I viewed it, and so that I really thought that that was sort of the goal. Uh But I have such a rich group of friends that are just hypno fetishists that. I would say orgasm is so secondary to the element of being hypnotized and being controlled.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And a lot of times it's part of orgasm denial. I mean mental chastity.
0: Uh-huh. I mean, so yeah.
1: You can make a person's hands so heavy they can't touch themselves.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, 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 so hands-free, uh, so hands-free orgasms do exist.
1: 100%. With a million caveats after that.
0: (laughs) Wow. Okay. I I mean, I, I, I didn't know that.
1: I've, I've seen them on video.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. Clients that, that I'm hypnotizing, Uh but here's the thing. And if you don't mind, I'd like to take a moment for this for anybody out there listening. Uh huh. I think it's possible for most anyone, unless you actually have a medical, physical issue um, that, that might prevent it. But if you can feel a sensation under hypnosis, then there's a very good chance that you can have a hands-free orgasm. But there is this expectation sometimes of, I'm going to buy this file labeled hip, you know, hands-free orgasm, and then I'm going to come without hands tonight. And truth be told, you should probably find a hypnotist that you go under for really, really well, whether it be through their pre-recorded items or in live session. And when that hypnotist releases a hands-free orgasm file, that's the one you want to buy because that's who you're most responsive to because okay. it has been possible for so many more people than they think it is. But there's a lot of people that will buy the file and then go, oh, well, it didn't happen. And there's 20 minutes. Thirty minutes of my life wasted, and sometimes, like any kind of skill, you have to learn to become a good transfer.
0: That's interesting. So, so do do you handle like uh, just male clients, or do you also handle like female clients?
1: Well, it's not that I would say I only handle male clients, but in twelve years, I've only had one female session with me.
0: So, would you would you say that there's a difference between how you would handle, uh, you know? both of those sexes?
1: I would. Of course, it would depend on what their interests are. I mean, the people that enjoy my work the most tend to be cis male. Uh-huh. Um, whereas the one woman I dealt with, she was just having a little trouble overcoming some trauma and she feel, felt that um it interfered with her ability to orgasm. And so even oh. though she was a erotic hypnosis client, uh, we found we it worse. Even though she was an erotic hypnosis client, it seemed it felt more like hypnotherapy because we spent about three, four sessions together and she really had some tears going after she orgasmed.
0: Wow. Okay. And
1: it's I think it's a, kind of that thing, though, too. women don't typically pay for porn the same way men do. And most of this material is viewed as pornographic and rightfully so. Yeah.
0: yeah. So uh, how would you say that your uh, your sessions are any different from, uh, let's say, uh, audio porn or like, uh, you know, erotic ASMR or any of that stuff? Uh, how would you say that erotic hypnosis is different from these these two other categories? Well,
1: it's hard to think of them being lumped in together sometimes. I mean, considering ASMR, you sort of have almost the gene to be responded out or not. Uh, Some people listen to it and don't feel anything, and then some people just do. Where hypnosis, I think more people are are able to be hypnotized. And with regards to that, I think it still goes back to the immersion. I mean, let's just say you don't want to be hypnotized to do anything. Like, you're not not trying to accomplish a hands-free orgasm. You're not trying to necessarily even be mind-controlled. Maybe you just want to see something in a real life or what feels like real life in front of you sort of that like i was talking about that vr experience yeah it's just so different because you're so immersed and you know one of the things people think too is that if you're hypnotized you are just dead asleep and not responding i mean you can have conversations in hypnosis i mean you see it on tv where somebody's trying to walk somebody through a memory um it's very much the same thing i mean i get responses from my subjects all the time While they're under, so it's immersive and it doesn't break them from the trance. But it's all part of bringing all of these sort of elements together to be like, like just such a real experience.
0: Yeah. So when when you did initially become a hypnotherapist to begin with, Mm -hmm. you mentioned that you you have degrees, right? So what exactly did you study to become a hypnotherapist?
1: Well, this is actually something that frustrates me. There's There's no actual qualification to be a hypnotist or a hypnotherapist. It's a matter of personal responsibility. I have a bachelor's degree in psychology when I had a much different career path in mind. And I was considering doing my grad work when I found hypnosis. And there is an irresponsible way to go about being a hypnotherapist, which I guess is just, oh, I hate sounding so negative about this, but you can read a lot of books, you can learn how to hypnotize somebody and you can learn quite a bit about hypnotherapy. But I, I felt like it was important to seek out reputable sources to teach me because I didn't want to be irresponsible yeah. with anybody's mind. Yeah. So I actually have three different certifications for hypnotherapy it was formalized training two in person one online and um, the one online is actually a really good example of why I think formalized training should maybe be something required to practice as a CHT because you do learn a lot of personal responsibility and accountability where I don't always think that like recreational hypnosis people keep all of those elements in the forefront of their mind as far as just being responsible.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because like when something like hypnosis is concerned, and when you're kind of uh, controlling somebody's mind per se, you would want the hypnotist to kind of know what they're doing, right? You, exactly. you kind of want to trust them with your mind.
1: But also to know what to look for if things going yeah. sideways. Yeah. Which here's kind of we're like too, this is the most frustrating thought part about being into erotic hypnosis. In Any dominant submissive sense. So many people have the fantasy of the wicked hypnotist. Uh That one of the biggest fantasies I hear the most, I've recorded a ton on the subject, is that you go and see a hypnotist for something completely legitimate, like stopping smoking. And while she has you under, she takes off all your clothes and has you please her. It's a fantastic fantasy it's one of my own personal fantasies but at the same time it's also what propagates the myths about all the dangerous things people are doing
0: with hypnosis yeah so i mean you would kind of want your hypnotist to, to know what to know what they're doing basically and to trust them you kind of want them to have gone under some sort of training right well
1: i mean yes and no if i if i'm being clear about this and There are people that are trained that wind up in erotic hypnosis. Uh There are people that aren't trained, but they're incredibly knowledgeable due to the amount of reading and practice that they've done. Yeah, But there is also this, uh, unfortunately, the recreational side of this fetish can really attract predatory people. And so I think the dangers come in sometimes is you have somebody that has bad motives and is trained even, and then there's a potential there to abuse somebody. So and it's kind of hard to get a vouch for somebody that's just a recreational hypnotist, whereas opposed to in the commercial world where we where we sell our products you can at least read some reviews you can find out a little bit about the re- reputation and who they are and see if you know you are potentially in danger of somebody preying upon you rather than just engaging in this thing together with full consent on both sides
0: yeah so would it be possible for for someone to be a, be an erotic hypnotist uh, online like d- does it always have to be uh, in person
1: Know, and I mean I think that's proven with the amount of you know audio and video files sold over the last 15 20 <laughs> years. Uh, you don't have to but I will say the one-on-one portion of it is going to be obviously more personal to you and it's going to have a better chance of you trancing successfully and getting what you want out of it. and also I think too with regards to the hypnotist, you know, Anytime you humanize somebody, you're more likely to be a little bit kinder yeah. to them. Yeah, so okay. if you're getting ready to trance somebody and you're learning who they are, I mean, I would hope you don't have the heart to hurt them.
0: No, completely, yeah. So do, do you do online sessions as well? I do. I mean, and not in the noticed? sense that
1: I just turn on phone lines. But yeah, yeah I, I do live sessions and and I, I, I sell pre-recorded items as well.
0: So have you seen like a like like a like a boom in your client base because of you know COVID and stuff because everyone's at home
1: well unfortunately I did not get to escape the plague so through most of the beginning of COVID I was inactive because um well let's just say it affected my life more than I wanted it to so I'm just actually now coming back to it I will say this I don't I don't I haven't really checked in with my friends yet, other erotic hypnotists. So I don't know how they're doing, but I imagine people are either stuck inside and trancing a lot, or unfortunately, they're maybe a part of my our customer base that has lost their jobs. You know, moved oh, back oh, home. Oh yeah,
0: for sure. Hard yeah, day. for sure. Yeah, that's a possibility. So I think that that kind of brings us to the end of this entire conversation, and I for sure earned. I, I learned a lot as I. Kept mentioning through through the episode uh, <laughs> this this was this was for sure eye-opening i learned a lot i didn't know about hypnosis and erotic hypnosis before so uh, thank you so much again for agreeing to do this and giving us that you know that that small demo that you did in the middle so everybody else could kind of know whether this is something that they would be interested in and i'll hopefully push more people your way so uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us where we can find you so i can Hopefully send more people your way.
1: Absolutely. I am Tessa Fields. The best place to find me is at hypnotessa.com. You can even check there for some free sessions. You can get a little taste of Tessa and see if you might want to sleep for me.
0: All right. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Uh, I hope you have a great day.
1: You as well. Talk to you soon.
0: Okay. Wow. Uh, that was uh, That was interesting to say the least. That little demo she gave us is what uh, really made me understand what this is all about. Also, her point about, you know, some people being more susceptible to being uh, hypnotized in general, or, uh, you know, keeping the erotic aspect of, uh, of it aside, just being hypnotized in general, uh, it would be quite interesting to see uh, how many people uh, out of, you know, uh, people listening over here really do believe that getting hypnotized is something that can happen to you and that you think you are susceptible to being hypnotized um, if you've been through this before or if you think that you know you are someone who believes in hypnosis um, feel free to uh, you know check out my Instagram comment over there on the post about this episode and uh, feel free to DM me as well at visakon underscore seven and so yeah I mean I, I definitely learned a lot uh, about hypnosis hypnotherapy And erotic hypnosis in specific, Uh, I never really understood why people would have this. uh, You know, why people would be drawn towards the erotic aspect of hypnosis. But she explained the whole, uh, you know, uh, dominance aspect of it quite well. And uh, so I feel like that really drove the point about this entire fetish home to me, at least. So I completely understood what what this is about and why people would be drawn to it. I I hope everyone who's listening enjoyed this episode and thank you so much again for tuning in. And I'll see you in next week's episode. This is a Commune production. This episode was produced by Abbas Momin and Mayur Hinge was our editor and sound designer. This is a Commune podcast.